The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so excited. Today is the debut of one of our five brand new series debuting here in January 2017. It is called, uh, it is called Partnerships Changing the Game for Digital Transformation. And before I go into my usual monologue, I want to welcome the lady at SAP who is sponsoring this and came up with the idea. And she's going to tell you a little bit about what this series will cover and then we'll do the usual. Pamela Dunn, welcome. How are you? Hi, thank you, Bonnie, and welcome to our debut episode today. Uh, our special SAP radio series on partnerships, changing the game for digital transformation. We'll explore the fundamentals of how partner solutions play a critical role in your company's digital transformation, the implications of this transformation, and how moving into the digital world impacts your organization's bottom line and your customer relationships. Back to you, Bonnie. Thank you, Pam. Sounds very interesting, very fun, and we have a great topic. I'm just going to be introducing our guests in a moment. Pam, you're going to stick around and listen, and I'm looking forward to working with you this year, you and your your colleague, Royzen Monahan, uh, and all the interesting topics you're going to bring us. So thanks, Pam, and Happy New Year to you. And now let's do our usual welcome. Welcome. We have two people on the panel today in the buzz on the street. Well, anybody remember the late, and most of us thought she was great, Joan Rivers had a wonderful line. I don't think it was the title of one of her books, but it sure packed a while. She said, can we talk? I can't can't replicate her exact New York accent, even though I'm from New York. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about the new era of conversational technology. In fact, 2016, which just left us a couple of weeks ago, was a pivotal year for global 2000 companies to align practical AI, that's artificial intelligence applications, and embrace intelligent conversational technology. Now, I used intelligent with conversational and technology all in one phrase. That packs a punch, and we're going to be speaking about that. So what is this mega trend of conversational applications? I have a quick quote here from Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella. He said, chatbots, you've all heard the term, will fundamentally revolutionize how computing is experienced by everybody. Bots will augment apps, but in time, human language will be taught to all computers and become the new interface. I'm going to go on from there. So, 
As enterprise technology space gurus sing the praises of conversational AI's potential, what's going on out there in the business world? Well, enterprises are perking up their ears, they're opening their minds, and most important, they're opening their checkbooks or maybe their corporate credit cards, however they do paper or plastic. So the question for you out there in our business audience all over the world is, how can you take artificial intelligence off the bench to use a game metaphor? How can you make it a star player in your business portfolio, your offering? your product solutions, how can you avoid making the easy fouls and the difficult ones you may not have thought of and lead your organization into this new era? All questions we're going to answer today. Our panelists, there are two of them, and they are very, very smart and very up on this area. First, we're going to welcome in a moment Rob and Kieran, the SVP of Channels and Alliances at CORE, K-O-R-E. And joining him today is Frank Diana, one of our futurists. Frank is a principal of Future of Business at TCS, that's Tata consultancy services they've both been on many times before on game changers radio and in fact both robin and frank joined me recently on one of our five episodes five part episodes of what we see was predictions 2017 on coffee break with game changers predicting the future and they each had two and a half minutes on the clock to share their predictions so i have a feeling they're going to talk about predictions a lot today robin karen welcome back nice to have you and robin has sent us a quote from A Space Odyssey, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and Hal. Hal was a fictional character and the main antagonist in Arthur C. Clarke's Space Odyssey series. Hal stands for H for heuristically programmed, AL for algorithmic computer. And here is the sentence from a long dialogue that Robin has selected for us today. Quote, this mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. Robin Karen, how are you? I'm well, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on. Oh, we're delighted. Talk to me. This is a space odyssey. It was so long ago, 1968. I know we were all born by then, but I don't know how old you two were. I know how old I was. I was actually almost uh, voting age by then, almost draft age, but I'm giving too much away. So tell me something. We're talking conversational. We're talking about the era of conversation. We're talking AI interacting with us, language, computers talking to us. We're talking to them. What would Hal have to say? And is this statement what you think Hal would say about our talk today? (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure what Howard would say, um, but if you read the whole dialogue, lots of places to find it, the reality is that the conversation that Dave Bowman's having with Hal is not that far-fetched in, in terms of the dialogue, in terms of leveraging artificial intelligence to provide a natural language, the ability for, uh, for a bot, chatbot, to be able to talk to a human. It is perfectly feasible today with the right instructions that Hal could be having that conversation with Dave. Um, and let's face it, it's a bit scary the, that Hal would be able to control and, uh, and confine David in his vessel, but um, there are, f- for decades, mechanisms and latches and, a, and electronic locks that would prevent a human doing something stupid, like opening a door. Um, so what we've done, though, is put some engineering behind that to be able to make sure that the language, the interaction between the human uh, and the machine is not just in text, is not just in manuals, is not just in electronic switches, but to have that conversation so that you don't have to go and find a manual to explain why Hal won't let you open that door. Nice that Hal was protecting everybody. And by the way, Hal's full name was <laughs> Hal 9000. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm coughing. Uh, uh, Robin, just let me read that interaction. You took the time to send me the whole. Do you mind if I just read that little bit of dialogue? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. Dave Bowman says, hello, Hal. Do you read me, Hal? And Hal, I'm going to try and do the soft, calm voice. 
Affirmative, Dave. I read you, Dave Bowman. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Dave Bowman. What's the problem? Hal. I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. Dave Bowman. What are you talking about, Hal? And here's the line. Hal says, this mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. How did I do, Robin? Any any approximation? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much perfect. It does get a little bit darker after that, but I thought I'd keep this some reality because, again, that dialogue is feasible. It's the, it's the uh, suggestion that Hal is somehow thinking and has self-generating intelligence that I think scares us, and I don't think we're there yet. Um, there are people, no doubt, working in labs on that, and neural networks are being used to make sure that we're emulating the way that information traverses the brain, etc. Uh, but I think the phrase today is applied AI. We're not, uh, we're not yet at that singularity where Hal can think for himself. It's all about engineering and algorithms and access to more computing power today than we've ever had and vast amounts of data that may come from places like SAP to then be put into a dialogue between a human and a machine. Thank you. And I, I, while I was trying to voice HAL 9000, it came to mind I could hear a car talking to its owner. And, of course, I'm thinking of KIT, K-I-T-T. I think you both remember that. Knight Rider, 1982 TV series created by Glenn A. Larson. And it starred David Hasselhoff as Michael Knight, a high-tech modern guy. And the car used as KIT was a customized 1982 Pontiac Trans Am sports model. Woo-hoo! And KIT talked to him. It really did. I think that was one of our first... First introductions to all that good stuff. So thank you, Robin, for setting the stage here. Frank, Diana, delighted to welcome you back. You're never too far away from Game Changers because you're on so often, and we're delighted, and you're one of our, I'll call you a resident futurist, if that's okay with you, Frank. And Frank, Diana, is quoting today a gentleman named Chris Hammond, K-R-I-S-H-A-M-M-O-N-D. He is Narrative Sciences Chief Scientist and a Professor of Computer Science and Journalism at Northwestern University. And Chris Hammond founded the University of Chicago's Artificial Intelligence Laboratory. He also sits on a United Nations policy committee run by the UN Institute for Disarmament Research and got his PhD from Yale. Bright guy, Chris Hammond. And here's the quote Frank has selected. Conversation as an interface is the best way for machines to interact with us using the human tool we already know exceptionally well language. How perfect. Frank Diana, welcome back. How have you been? I've been great. Thanks for having me back. We are delighted. So talk to me. Are you a big fan of Chris Hammond? And thank you for introducing me to him. Oh, no problem. Yes, I am. And uh, first, I have to say you make a great robot. (laughs) I'll tell that to my friends and family. Okay. Send money. Do not drive out of the garage. I need a new car. Okay, thank you. All my all of these ideas are swirling. Don't do that, Frank. So, Frank, how come you picked this quote? Uh, I think it's obvious, but are you a big fan of Chris Hammond? Tell us a little bit about why this is so perfect for our show today. Well, I think it's perfect given the topic. Um, and as you know, for, as a futurist, I always look at these things from a higher point of view. And, and conversations, chatbots, AI, they're all just building blocks, and, and they're building towards something bigger. And in my mind, that something bigger is the enablement of, of our life experiences. So if you think about conversations around customer experience in the last several years, uh, w- how you make those experiences as seamless as possible is obviously critical, whether it's, it's our interactions with robots or whether it's these platforms like Uber that have emerged to make get, finding a, a ride much simpler. 
conversations really are just one more step in making those experiences much more seamless. So whether it's you know in the context of today's corporate customer experience or what I believe ultimately is the end goal, and that is really the enablement of our life experiences, I think conversations play a big role. And language and the, the unbelievable ability of technology now to understand what we're saying uh, will play a, a massive role in that because that's the simplest form of interaction is how we communicate with one another and now how we'll communicate with whatever we're interacting with in the future. So I think it's a, it's a great quote in that context. Thank you, Frank. I'm going to ask you a question before we circle back to Robin. And you both know you've been on enough Game Changer shows with me to know that we're going to. I'm going to ask you what's in your cup today. Where are you calling from? And what are you drinking? Or what did you have over the holiday or New Year's Eve in particular? Frank, question. We talk about language, and, and the quote says, "Using the human tool we already know exceptionally well." I want to ask you a question about language nuance. Language, I speak one way, you speak another, Robin speaks another. We have our idioms, we have our meanings of what certain phrases mean. So when we talk about humans talking to computers in language so that they will do for us, will talk to us, will protect us perhaps, does it matter who is doing the talking that programs the computer or the bot so that it, in other words, if you program it and you say some idiomatic phrases and then I come to use that chat bot, Frank, and I don't understand those phrases, will we have a, a, a massive failure or a, I don't want to use some crude language here, but we have something that's like, wait a minute, I don't even know what that means. Or, or if Robin used it and used some, some British terminology that we didn't understand. So is there a language nuance that's going to, I won't say muck this up, but certainly complicated, Frank? Any thoughts on that? Well, it certainly complicates it, and that's why I started by saying it's a fascinating uh, progress yeah. that we've made in this whole space. And, and today uh, there is work involved in making sure that we understand those nuances, that how one person says something is the same way another person is saying the same thing, but maybe a little bit differently. You know, it's, it's a big challenge, and, and it is work to make sure that all works. But in the future, with, with the capability of, of AI and its learning potential, it gets simpler and simpler and simpler over time. And Robin probably has much more experience in this than I. Um, but it is a complexity. And I always, like, I always go back to that famous Jeopardy episode where IBM Watson took on those, those challengers. And think about how it had to understand the question that Alice Trebek was asking in a split second in order to come back and, yes. and respond. Now think about what it took to do that. Of course, there was four years of work that went into supporting that. Um, but again, over time, I think that gets simpler. Thank you very much. Robin, any thoughts on that since I, I posed a spontaneous question to Frank? Anything you want to add to that yeah, before we say? It's a great question, but I also have to comment on his quote because it's a wonderful quote. The, the phrase that we use around here is that no UI is the best UX. So the ability to provide a human with an experience that doesn't complicate by having to log on through eight screens to ultimately get to something that you want to do. The voice, as Frank quotes, is we've all, we've all been trained to use it. But to your point, yeah, sure, in the UK, um, if I was asking about my bank account, I might I say, how many quid have I got? Somebody over here might refer to Benjamin's. So yes, it is very much important to understand local language, local idioms, but it does go a bit beyond that, and I think what we'll see is incorporating of sentiment as well. So it's not just the uh, not just the words I'm using, not just the idioms, but the way I'm using those words, and then even the tone I'm using to express those words can help derive what the human's ultimately intending to do. Very interesting. So the language style, the tone, and the sentiments will impact the value or the effectiveness of our chatbots. Very interesting. Okay, so while I have you here, 
Robin Kieran. Where are you calling from today, and what's in your cup today, or what did you have that was fascinating to drink over the holidays? Aha, so I'm in sunny Orlando. I think we're getting to about 82 degrees today, which may make um, 90% of your audience a bit cross with me, but it's a lovely day again here in sunny Orlando, Florida. And um, coffee this morning, Bonnie. I can't, uh, my prediction slot, I think I talked about Mercury Head from Orin Swift, which was fantastic, but that's a bit early for that. Okay, it's never too early for something good, Robin. You never know. What do they say? It's, it's happy hour somewhere around the world, so we can just we can just transport ourselves. There you go. Thank you, Frank. Diana, where are you calling from, and what's in your cup today, or what were you drinking? I am calling from uh, Central New Jersey, as I often do, and I am two fisting it today. I have water in one hand and coffee in the other. And what kind of coffee? Come on, Frank. I had a boring plain coffee this morning with just a little bit of milk. Okay, and I would love to have one, but not until after the show. This is a doubleheader day. We had a show, Future of the Future with Game Changers. Frank, we were talking with Gray Scott about his trip to CES 2017 and how the new quote-unquote consumer cool gadgets will translate into business impact and business value and possibly business profitability coming down the line. We talked about all kinds of interesting things. So that that was an hour ago, and here we are, and I'm here with you and Robin Kieran and Frank Diana, of course. And Pamela Dunn just joined us to talk about what's coming down the pike on this her new series, Partnerships Changing the Game for Digital Transformation. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I am only allowed to drink non-caffeinated beverages on radio show days. Cool, clear water with a cool, clear mug with a pink straw because our red straw, what's it, orange? I'm waiting for the sunshine. It's pouring rain here on Long Island in New York. At least it's not snow. I know it could be worse. So we're going to take our first and only break of the hour. And when we come back... We're going to dive into our roundtable segment, kicking off with some comments here, some notes that Robin Kieran at CORE has sent me. And, and Robin will do a quick intro on what CORE does, CORE's CORE business. And Frank, when we come to you uh, to comment on Robin's first topic, we'll find out what TCS is up to these days as well. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Michael out. <laughs> The digital world is moving faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and demand for innovation to help the world run better and improve people's lives. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how moving to the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Partnerships, changing the game for digital transformation is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Partnerships, changing the game for digital transformation. Presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to partnerships changing the game for digital transformation. 
Indeed, we're back. We're speaking today with Robin Kieran at CORE and Frank Diana at TCS. And our topic is a very interesting one, connecting people to technology, AI, that's artificial intelligence, and the conversational era. Think machine learning, think language, talking to computers, think what they want to say back to us and how they can help us in our lives now and in the future. Robin Kieran's going to start the roundtable. Robin, I am looking for the comment you wanted me to pull up first, and I'm not seeing it, so I'm just going to let you introduce this first topic, and then we will go from there. So, Robert, what, what do you want to start with? Sure. How about let's talk about the partnership theme of this dialogue sure. today, the partnership between, in this case, SAP and Core, a chatbot platform. So the, the, the amount of data that a human can process versus the amount of data that a machine can process and the ability for, with programmed rules and defined inputs, to be able to calculate outputs, the ability for a bot to take an action for example, a machine with lots of IoT sensors at a certain temperature, a certain internal pressure, external pressure, mm-hmm. rotational speed, all those things that a human, again, couldn't really handle in their brain, but a computer could, is the ability to then predict that something could go wrong. So a propensity of failure based on history is now telling a human, you need to get out there and fix this thing, because most likely, within three days, this equipment is going to fail. So that's, that's intelligent. It's still using programming and rules and mathematics to make a conclusion that's, let's say, statistically justified. It's not using human intui- intuition, but it allows us to move from the preventative maintenance world to predictive maintenance. Very interesting. Preventative versus predictive. Frank, Diana, talk to us. What do you think? Uh, I obviously absolutely agree. I, I look at that as part of a, of a, a framework that anticipates senses and responds, right? So as AI gets more mature, and we're already there, the predictive maintenance pieces, we're seeing some of the big companies already doing some of this, where you can absolutely understand um, the propensity for something to fail and, and proactively deal with that situation. So instead of you know, regularly scheduling maintenance, which could be very costly, you can, at a point in time, deal with uh, failure or, or the anticipation of failure. Uh, so it, it just makes a lot of sense from a bottom line perspective. And the, and the technology is there today. I, I just think it matures more effectively over time. But I think at the highest level you view that at a broad scale, an ability to anticipate uh, events, uh, sense that something's happening, and respond in kind. And, and things from a business perspective, for example, where maybe there was a, a factory fire somewhere in the, in the supply chain, and you can anticipate, you, you sense that very quickly and reroute um, activity so that you save money as a result. All those things are doable, and I just think businesses need to embrace that approach much more effectively. Thank you. Robin, yep. I'm going to circle back to you. Any comments yeah, on what Frank sure. just added? Sure, Please. absolutely. So now we've got to the stage where we think we know something's going to happen, but now a person needs to get involved, commonly. could be a team of people, could be a person. Maybe the person wants to to be a little proactive and say, what is the next piece of equipment that's likely to fail? So now you need to have a conversation, an interface between the machine and the human. So now we're getting in, I think, into the domain around natural language in more detail. And again, to your earlier point, Bonnie, how, based on the business process, based on the geography, based on the idioms and the specific taxonomy of that business, how does the bot then start communicating effectively to the human. Uh, here's, a, here's an example. So if I'm a human using a bot, mm-hmm. I want to know how much money I've got. Well, pretty common. I could go and look yep. it up, but maybe I could ask my bot, how much money have I got? Well, somebody else might say, what's in my checking account? Somebody mm-hmm. else might say, do I have any cash? 
Do I have any Benjamins? So the ability for a bot to understand that intent and be able to communicate things based on, I want to know when something's likely to fail. Now we're getting into the domain of NLP and the importance of a chatbot to be able to understand that specific language based on that specific process and the idioms and the sentiment that we talked about earlier on. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm interested and intrigued with what you're both talking about. Will we be able to instruct our own chatbots? I know we've had for many years the opportunity on our cell phones to have certain, not just a conversation, but to, for example, somebody with a, a, a remarkable or marked accent that's not, shall we say, I think I'm fairly accent neutral, even though I was born and raised in New York, I don't hear myself as having a New york e accent. So somebody mm-hmm. who has a an accent from another country, Robin you or somebody coming from a one of the uh, uh, Middle Eastern com- countries, being able to get voice recognition on their phone to do something very simple even years ago. So the question is, will that get more sophisticated where will the chatbot be able to be trained faster to recognize at least what we're saying. I'm not talking sentiment and idiom. I'm talking about if it's an English language chatbot, will they more quickly get past the the nuances of an accent and be able to pull those words without the person having to say, I want you to, you know, in a very mm-hmm. phony way where they're trying to cut their accent out. Will that be easier for people on a consumer level? Well, I'm going to say yes, and that's actually now. <clears throat> so if you can hone your bot and train your bot on a particular corpus, you can absolutely allow it to recognize both accent as well as specific language more accurately. So I don't think that's a future statement. I think today, in fact, I know today that's absolutely a capability that would allow somebody across. I, of course, think that I don't have an accent, but <laughs> for us all to be understood by our favorite chatbots, they get to know and understand us. Frank, what do you think? you agree it's just something that's there right now? No, I, I agree. And really what's uh, escalating or accelerating the progression of AI is the fundamental ability to learn. And, and so you combine the ability to learn with the just massive explosion of data available to train it. Uh, clearly, you've created a cycle that starts to exponentially progress. And that's, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing an explosion as those, those sort of synergistic things come together. That's really why I think many futures predict the, the, this explosion of AI in the next uh, three to five years. Thank you very so much. a couple of handy hints here, yeah, Bonnie. Go, um, sure, go just ahead. to pick up on that specific theme. Please. So there's, there are general, I won't pick on particular brands, but there are bots that exist, that have existed for a few years, that serve the full population of the world and do a great job. Um, but they have to, by definition, try to understand all language for all things. They may want to mm-hmm. understand ordering a pizza or what's the weather or what's my commute because it's a general available solution. There are options where if you are training your bot specifically for your purpose, you can say pizza's not that important for my business process, but money mm-hmm. and checking accounts and savings is very important. And so if you get hold of your own bot to train, the likelihood that that bot will understand is significantly improved. Then hint number two, um, unsupervised learning, the ability to just accept that what people have said is necessarily true and incorporate that in the future understanding of what people may say is um, potentially hazardous. And I think we've seen some examples of that. So we believe that the manner of supervised learning and tools Mm -hmm. that help supervised learning is rather important here. Otherwise, you could get those bots getting a lot of control. 
And that's not what we want. I promised our listeners we would find out what the two of you do in your companies and what your companies do. So why don't we just pause for a second? I'm going to hit the pause button. And Robin, Kieran, what does CORE do today? What what are you up to? Just give me the uh, 60-second elevator chat on what is CORE. Perhaps it won't be that shocking. CORE is an artificial intelligence bots platform. We provide technology for customers to allow them to define, deploy, manage, train, and educate bots to support the needs of the enterprise. That could be to support a customer service. It could be internal IT help desk. It could be to uh, execute a finance process, an HR process, a sales process with a bot through a conversational UI. Thank you. Exciting. That's why you're our expert. And Frank, Diana, what are you up to at TCS? And what's TCS up to these days in the beginning of 2017? Uh, as, T- as you know, TCS is part of the, the massive Tata conglomerate out of India. Um, mm-hmm. Made its name in the in the offshoring outsourcing business, but this day and age, uh, very involved in business strategies and IT strategies. And in the AI context, uh, we have innovation labs all around the world and research centers where we're doing a lot of work in, on the AI front. And actually, created an AI tool uh, called Igneo, which supports uh, IT functions to predict and understand uh, on the software side some of what we were talking about before, maintenance and other, other challenges. So a lot of work going on in that area. Thank you very much. Good to catch up with you. And now I'm going to look at some notes from Frank, and then I want to tie them back to my opening statement, which was that. I'm looking for my notes here. Yes, um, enterprise tech-based gurus, as they sang the praises of conversational AI's potential, enterprises were listening and are listening with open ears, open minds, and open checkbooks. So on that note, I'm going to pull up one of your statements, Frank, and let's see if we can tie it to profitability to why companies need to literally listen up to this. You say a platform revolution will occur in the next decade. Removing friction from one process after another, conversational systems will be a major part of this revolution. Is this the business case, Frank? Talk to me. Well, there's, there's a number of business cases, the platform revolution being, being one of them. So if we step back for a second and think about where these, these bots are heading, where they make just about everything as seamless as possible, one, if you're a business and somebody's come around and made something very seamless, it's going to be very difficult once that value has been created for folks to go backwards. So from an experience perspective, companies that don't move down this path will find it harder and harder to retain a customer base that has found it very easy to do something somewhere else. So from a business case perspective, to me, that's one of the highest points you can make. The second, and you might, so you apply this inwardly and say, I've done the same thing for my employee base. I've made it very simple for, set, for them to do things internally from a business process perspective. Now I'm trying to acquire and retain creative talent, which is at the top of the list for companies today. And they're coming into an environment that can't do those things. Well, mm-hmm. What's the likelihood of me staying? So you've got sort of a hiring and retention issue as well if you don't move some, down some of these paths. And then last but not least, many companies are seeing the network effects associated with platforms. And so there are you know, a number of companies that I talk to looking for a platform play. And conversational systems, as they look to remove friction from whatever they focus on, will be a big piece of that. So understanding how to do that, understanding how to, to connect conversational systems and platforms, all very critical. I think there's a huge business case here for companies. But more importantly, uh, uh, inability to, to respond here could be uh, critical. Thank you. Robin, agree or disagree? Oh yeah, well, of course, of course. Mm-hmm. I should probably mention that we're we're actually working with Igneo in partnership again to reference the theme of this uh, 
of this yes. radio show. We're, we're, we're engaged directly with Igneo to help a common purpose to bring this solution to the marketplace. Okay. I'm going to flip to another topic from Robin's list. Robin, what about NLP? That's always something that puts, makes me sit back and uh, unbuckle my seatbelt and want to run in the other room. But NLP, <laughs> natural language, I don't know. It just, just seems out there to me. You say there are many examples of this top of mind is NLP, natural language processing. Maybe I'm thinking of programming rather than processing. Uh, the ability for bot to understand the intent of what a human says. Do you want to go into this? Is this a, a good topic for us to segue to yeah, next? Yeah, it's a great topic. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, so, yes, acronyms always tend to make people go off and get themselves another cup of coffee. But uh, so NLP, the ability for a bot to understand what a human is saying, the intent. Um, and, you know, the examples I gave earlier on around what's in my checking account or I want to raise a customer service ticket or how do I use this product or how do I return this product? These are currently today handled by, by humans. Well, actually, in many cases, you can train your bot to be able to understand that statement and to derive from it both intent as well in some, as some cases the parameters associated with the intent. So how much money have I got is not a complete intent. It's maybe I want to clarify, do you mean your checking account or your savings account? So in that mm-hmm. situation, you, you need to understand, yes, the human wants this, but actually go back to the human and clarify, do you mean your checking account or your savings account? So natural language processing allows you to look at a statement or to hear a statement and be able to then derive the intent and extract the entities from it. Now, there's a couple of ways that that, that's being done today. Uh, Generally speaking, the world has embraced machine learning to Mm -hmm. be able to recognize the patterns of those letters or the sounds that are adjacent to each other, to be able to anticipate and have a propensity to understand what the human is saying. And, And that's a great approach. Um, we, we do also take that approach, but there is, um, there's also something, some others that based on the world calling it fundamental meaning. Um, so there's an underlying technology called ChatScript, which won the Loebner Prize three years out of the past six, um, takes a different approach, fundamental meaning, where ChatScript's looking at the individual words and their proximity to each other and words that you really don't care about. Well, we like please and thank you when we're talking to humans, but bots don't really care about please and thank you. So there's some words that can be ignored. And ChatScript has the ability to then look at and identify, let's say, a noun. And therefore, to your question about idioms, be able to have a vocabulary of synonyms. So money or cash or Benjamins are synonymous. The ability to then derive from that human statement Actually, what do they want? They want to understand how much money they've got in their checking account. So natural language processing are methods, algorithms, and approaches to be able to derive human intent from a natural statement. Interesting. And, you know, as I was listening to you speak, Rob, and I realized I was thinking of not na- natural language processing. I think Frank might know where I was going with that. I thought it was neurolinguistic programming, which is something that's what makes me want to run away. Sorry. Yeah, I'd run that away. Was- Oh, thank you. Thank you. I've been validated. I want to pull up one more comment here from Robin's list. I, I don't know if we mentioned the Turing test. Uh, Robin says, we're getting close to passing the Turing test, T-U-R-I-N-G. A machine is deemed to have passed the test if human beings could interact with the machine as they would with another person. Oh, my. That's uh, Hal was the perfect example, right? Hal and Dave Bowman? Robin? That's exactly right. So, actually, there have been some claims already that a bot called Eugene 
passed the test back in 2014 at the University of Reading. Um, I don't think they've universally agreed that that's true. In fact, the Loebner Prize uses the Turing test. But instead of saying you have achieved or you haven't, digital, in fact, it awards the prize to the bot that has the most human-like experience, judged by a panel of humans that are having a conversation to and from a bot. Uh, and ChatScript, as I mentioned, has won three out of six years. So it's a very accomplished bot. Very accomplished bot. Yes, I want a bot that will just say to me, yeah, you can go back to sleep for six minutes. It's okay. I'll tickle, you, tickle your feet when you wake up if you don't, if you don't heed the alarm on your phone. And then I'll, uh, I'll toss you out of bed on a big soft pillow. And then I'll run your tub and I'll put the bubble bath in it. Can we get, get a bot to do that or is that a robot, Robin? With the right engineering, you could do that. But, yes, there's a physical element. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's good engineering and programming and logic, and why not? Why not? Frank, Diana, I'm looking at your notes here. I think you have a, an optimistic statement here. You say, collectively, automation, robotics, intelligent assistance, and artificial intelligence AI will reframe business, commerce, culture, and society. That's a huge statement. Frank, what are we talking about here? Well, I think you know from our past programs where my head is on all this, and, and that is that society is likely to be transformed in the next 20 years given where all of these building blocks are heading. And I do view them that way. A number of these innovations that are just exploding, whether it's on the science side or technology side, that are coming together in building blocks that can be combined to massively impact our world. And, and I think we're starting to see the early, early stages of some of that impact. And so um, in this conversation where we've been talking about artificial intelligence and and chatbots and some of those things, clearly, as you combine them with robotics, for example, and, and you just gave a good example, the, the example uh, as waking you up, <laughs> a robot mm-hmm. is involved there. But if you think about uh, a general issue facing society, and that is that we are an aging society, and caring for the elder will be an acute problem, and, and not very long. In Japan, they're already faced with this issue. And there are care bots, uh, robots already in existence in Japan that will care for the elderly, and of course they're going to get better at at it as they go, uh, in very human-like ways. So again, not science fiction. We're we're at a point in time where these things are real, they're doable, Uh, and I think we start to focus on the other side of this discussion, and that is just because we can do these things, should we? And that that brings the whole ethics discussion into the conversation, but that's why I really do firmly believe we're at the inflection point of a very transformative period. Frank, what about privacy? If we're having these deep conversations, and I was talking on the previous show with Gray Scott about um, what we're we talking about. It'll, it just flew out of my head uh, about the, the privacy issue. He says there will be no privacy. I'm thinking if you're having that conversation with, oh, we were talking about uh, robots or chatbots that would step in to become our therapists. So we wouldn't need a, a CSW or an MSW or a PhD or even a psychiatrist. We could sit down with our chatbot and have a meaningful conversation. Hey, I'm worried about this. I'm nervous about this. I'm happy about this. I'm sad about this. And they could come back with some relevant conversation, either tell us how to do breathing exercises or tell us not to take that extra Valium or tell us that we had that thought 10 days ago and we were able to resolve it by, I don't know, lifting weights for 20 minutes, whatever it was. So the question is, if we're telling all this stuff in these conversations with our chatbots and they know so much about us, where does privacy come in? I'm going to use the dirty H word, hacking. Frank, are we, are we at risk of telling too much when we program them and when we interact with them? What do you think? 
<laughs> it's just not enough time to talk about all this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pick and choose anything. You know me. I just toss it out there. Go well, ahead. What, what's so, your favorite? Well, a couple things. One, uh, it's an interesting conversation when you look at what we're willing to do in exchange for our privacy. Whenever mm-hmm. value is, is created, um, the privacy conversation gets, well, at least we're willing to give up privacy in the exchange for value. And that, that's been historically proven time and time again. So there's one. Two, uh, I think the whole notion of privacy is shifting and will shift uh, over time. It's just, it's just not what it was. And that's not to say it's not important. It's just not what it was. But, but at the higher level, again, this goes back to what I said before, if you consider where technology and science is heading, and I ask this question in all, to all my audiences when I, when I speak about the ability to actually tap right into our brains, forget about chatbots, where we're intercepting electric stimulus and it goes out to the cloud and brings us whatever information we're looking for right into our brains, et cetera, et cetera. If you go out 10 years, there's people that believe that's viable. Now, now, privacy and hacking, you're just taking that conversation to a different level. That's why I don't think we have enough time. Okay, Rob, Robin, Karen, what do you see? What do you think about all of this privacy issue? Is this something new what I brought up, or is this something that, that companies are thinking about when they say, let's bring it on? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's new. I think it's an escalation, it's a continuation. But actually, a random thought since you, 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 took a, you opened the door to this one um, about yep. bots being physical as well and taking over uh, some fairly sensitive operations. So Johnson Johnson was already approved by the FDA to be able to deliver um, anesthetics during an operation. So people are now being supported by bots in so many ways, even in those that might expose uh, human health and care. Uh, yeah, you mentioned doctors, so I had to go down that path. Mm-hmm, of ahead. course, if you want a bot to be effective on your behalf, if you want a bot to be able to do something like, I don't know, complete a transaction in S4HANA or send, uh, set up a new bill pay in your bank account, you, there needs to be trust, and you do need to give that bot your password. Otherwise, it would not be able to take an action on your behalf. So I think we are going to be giving up even more uh, in return for, in this particular case, a lower burden of having some action taken on our behalf. So, yes, I think it's just going to keep on going. Keep on going. Frank, talking about exchanging value for privacy. Uh, are you willing or are you already giving up your power? I'm not asking you what it was. We're not going to do this. Uh, what, would, what were they using at the DNC that could have been hacked by a 14-year-old, probably with his hands behind his back? What uh, are you willing to give up for your privacy, Frank? Or, or would you give your password or passwords to a trusted chatbot? And is there such a thing? Well, it's, it's a good question. I, I might not be a good example because I have been fairly involved in the social world for quite some time now, right? And so I, I've have very little concern with what I share in the public domain, and and and, mm-hmm. and, and not even in the context of let's say, you know, the uh, telematics in the car that allows me to get a better insurance rate if I let them track my driving habits. Right, yes. I mean, those, those are good examples of how you you're willing to give up privacy for in exchange for value. Um, so I'm a little bit more open to this whole privacy thing because of the exposure that I've had in, in the social circles. And it hasn't released my job. That's important, right? So it might not be the right case for you to answer that question. Okay, fair enough. We will let you let you uh, 
it, what is it? Depose yourself on that one. <laughs> Let's talk about messaging and and kids. Uh, I, I have an experience where I have a couple of cable TV shows, and I rely for my production crew on young people who are interns at the TV station where I do my productions. And more and more, they're not answering crew call emails. And somebody suggest, and I also sit on the board of directors of this organization. And uh, somebody suggested to me that I should be messaging them on Instagram or uh, something else and that nobody's using email anymore, or maybe I should find some way to message them. I can't even imagine doing that. So are, are messaging apps uh, surpassing even the social networks? Are they going to be uh, messaging? Are the bots going to be doing our messaging for us? I'm trying to push this, push this all together in one ball of yarn. Robin, what do you think? So I think it's horses and courses. I think for some end user, they will never answer your email, Bonnie. So I would absolutely <laughs> suggest you use other methods, whereas other parts of the community love email. So other people love Facebook Messenger. Somebody else will only rely in the future on talking to Alexa. So I think really the message here is, depending on the segment of the population, depending on the human that you're talking to, you need to be selective in the way that you issue that message. So the ability for a bot to engage with a human, it's not just through an email, it's not just through voice, it's not just through text. It could be one day Skype and the next day Alexa and the third day SMS and the fourth day email. I think we need to be prepared for a bot to exist wherever a human wants them to. Omnichannel. Hmm, omnichannel bot. Frank, agree or disagree with that? I agree. I don't think you can even look at this at a segment level. For example, the tendency is to think that millennials will never communicate via email. And yet, at a, a Seton Hall University here in New Jersey, I'm on an advisory board that mentors students, and there's a number of things that they do do collectively, and they use, I think, Slack as the platform. And there are several students that, that just rather email. And that's counterintuitive mm-hmm. if you think about what we think in, in the context of millennials. So I don't think you can even go yeah. segment by segment. I agree with Robin. It really is uh, omnichannel. It's, it's how any individual wants to communicate. Interesting. And let, let's talk about bots and chatbots in terms of automating routine business tasks at work every single day. We, I think we've kept it a little on the consumer and personal side. So let's talk about automating workflow. So somebody needs to create an expense report or they need to reorder a part or they have to approve invoices or fill out timesheets or schedule meetings rather than using Outlook and doing it themselves. Is that day here yet? Either Robin or Frank who wants to answer. Is that day here where you can simply talk to a bot and say, I need to schedule a radio show. I want Robin Kieran and Frank Diana as my featured panelists. I want to bring Pamela Dunn in because she's going to introduce the new series. I want to message their information to Michael at the Business Channel, and I want it done in the next three minutes, and I'll be back after I have a cup of coffee. Is that here, that day here today yet, Robin, Frank? That may have a few too many clauses, however. <laughs> yes, that day is absolutely here. There's evidence of that. I've certainly... Our customers are putting in functions that could be quite verbose, that could have multiple steps to them that are instructing enterprise systems, SAP, to be able to do many things exactly like that. Show me all my employees that have a review date for their uh, performance appraisal in the next 30 days and schedule a meeting with them. Or remind somebody that they haven't taken uh, their certification exam or update the status of an order or change the value of... Quote, one, two, three. Uh, that, that's not just theory. That is here now today. Mm. Frank, are you seeing that? People using it for workflow processing tasks every day, the, the stuff that takes too much time. Yeah, maybe not as effectively as the capability would allow them to, at least not yet. 
Um, but again, I, I look at this at a little bit of a higher level. If, if, if this brings together a number of things for me. I, I believe firmly that we're, we're going to see a number of ecosystems emerge over time that really uh, accommodate our life experience and our needs. And so that's the high level. Platforms will emerge over the next several years that kind of lead us down that path. And these platforms, using conversational systems, will have to pull together an ecosystem to support them. That's the complexity. If you think about a process that has multiple things that have to be pulled together to enable that process, more and more it will include a number of different parties, whether they're internal or external. And bringing that ecosystem together in a coordinated fashion where that chatbot or system can enable that, that to me is where the complexity lies. It's bringing those ecosystems together. Very interesting. You know, we have uh, about three or four minutes since it's just the two of you. I'm going to give you a nice piece of time, nice chunk of time for your crystal ball predictions. I think we've been on the edge of what's now and what's coming during this entire conversation. But I'm going to open up the floor to both Robin and Frank and give you each a chance to tell me, is there anything else on your mind that we need to talk about in in this topic, introducing our new series on partnerships, game-changing digital transformation? Anything on your mind that you want our listeners to know that's important in this entry into the conversational era with AI, language, interacting with not existing things we're calling chatbots, having them help us with our business lives, with our with our workplace, with our personal lives. So many things we're turning over trust, hopefully. So Robin, Kieran, any other topic you want to introduce just briefly that's on your mind? I would say content. I'm continuing from before. So <clears throat> don't pretend that a bot's a human. It's not yet. Um, and don't assume that what has been said as an utterance is necessarily accurate. So supervised learning of a bot, I think, will be important for at least the next several years until bots um, generate their own neural networks. But right now, I think, have the right engineering, the right logic, the right sound structure in place to educate a bot and continue to train it. And I think you'll see bots everywhere. Wow, I hope that wasn't your prediction because we're not at that part of the show yet, but I love what you just said, so hang on to your hat. Frank, Diane, anything else you want You want the audience to know before we officially do our predictions in the next minute and a half? Frank, what, what's on your mind? Yeah, I want to circle back to our conversation on natural language processing. I wanted to comment back then. Um, but I, in the written and spoken word, there is a massive amount of intelligence, and I've had experiences, for example, in the insurance fraud arena, where you can predict fraud much more effectively by focusing on what was written in a police report or a medical report, et cetera. Uh, and if you apply that kind of capability to a number of risk and opportunity-oriented processes, you, you drive the effectiveness of those processes way up. And I don't know that we've evolved to that place yet. Sentiment analysis and some of the things that we're accustomed to, to using those tools for are good, but there's so much more that we can do with it, and I don't think we're exploiting that yet. Okay, thank you very much. So now officially uh, we have seven minutes left, and I want to give you each, uh, how do you want to handle this? We normally have three people on the panel. I give them each 60 to 90 seconds for predictions. There were two of you, so let's divide and conquer. Why don't we go back and forth and come up with a couple of short predictions for each of you? So Robin, Kieran, what would you like to predict? Let's focus on 2020. I want to give this all a little couple of years to gel. 
we have thought of 2020 as the future far off for many, many years. Now we're in January 2017. As somebody pointed out to me, that's three more New Year's Eves and we'll be in 2020. So it's really, you know, plan your, get your champagne ordered now because it's really coming fast. So Robin, what would you predict for 2020 or beyond for this conversation if we meet again? And I hope we will in the interim. AI and the conversational era connecting people to technology. What's going to change really dramatically? So I'm, I'm afraid it's not going to be dramatic. I think it's going to be the things that we've spoken out over the past 50 minutes where the flaws are, uh, the kinks are ironed out. I think that bots will absolutely, so repeating, I have a hammer, right, so everything's a nail. I mm-hmm. believe bots will not just incrementally help us. Bots will be in, in every aspect of our life where we will be able to say, remind me in 30 seconds or run the bath for me or tell my next-door neighbor to turn the music down and remind me and do things that could be combined with both um, systems as well as robots, physical and non-physical. I do believe that we will welcome bots into our life. Um, Side note, even last week, the European Parliament proposed legislation to enforce a kill switch on every robot. I think the social implications will be more apparent to us by 2020. But I think absolutely we will be seeing bots in everything we do. Interesting. Do you think parents uh, who can afford these bots, robots, bots, will be able to keep an eye on their children rather than a nanny or a daycare person who may not be trained in what that child needs in their life, that they can program a bot to say to the child, no, you're not going to have that cigarette, you're only 12 and this is not France, or something like that. Or here, I'll, I'll get you a half a candy bar because we think you can, something like that. Do you think parents will rely on bots to, and there'll be an industry of trainable bots to raise children to make good decisions when the parents aren't there? What do you think, Robin? Yeah, I, um, so that's that was a deep side. Right, physically being able to stop. So it was, wasn't it? Because the, the ramifications yeah. are quite uh, outsourcing parenting is probably a, a, a delicate subject. Certainly yeah. monitoring, scary that that may be, back to our privacy issues. Certainly the ability to take input, um, you know, room temperature and make sure that the house isn't on fire when you're away and you've left the kids at home. Mm-hmm. Certainly the ability to inform you how you then translate that into uh, educating your children. I think that's a longer conversation. Okay, maybe another topic. Pam Dunn is <laughs> listening. Frank, Diana, what do you think about my question, or what would your uh, your prediction be? What's your favorite chatbot prediction for 2020 or beyond? Well, I'm going to focus on the, on the corporate enterprise side um, in terms of the prediction for 2020, and I'm going to stick with my theme of, of platforms and ecosystems. And I do think between now and 2020, we're, we're going to see a proliferation of, of platforms all aimed at creating some level of value and, and seamlessly doing things for us, and chatbots and conversational systems will be an integral part of those platforms. It's going to get to the point where we're going to have a number of redundant platforms all focused on specific uh, needs. I think in terms of Uber-like platforms that will emerge um, over time. And as I look further out, I believe you'll eventually see a consolidation of these platforms and, and the conversation being the mechanism that drives our interactions uh, and that ultimately leads us to these ecosystems that I keep talking about. So uh, it's an evolutionary path, very rapid one, I, I believe. But I, I concur with mo- most of what Robin said, and I think that's how it manifests itself. Okay, now I'm going to ask you both a personal question. Robin, Karen, if you had a chatbot you could train to do anything you want, what would you name it? What would it look like if you had an avatar for it? Any Any thoughts on that? 
So first, that's an easy one because we have one, and I do have my own bot, and she's called Cora. Um, uh, K O R A. You know what? K O R A. K O R A. Yes, the chat bot for Core, the company I work for. So we use Core on a daily basis already. What does she look like? I, I think you know what? I haven't actually come up with a visualization. I presume that's something I should be thinking about. I Not think yet so. There, for right? the We're disclosing too many secrets. Oh, well, that's true. That's true. Don't tell us which password you gave her. Frank, Diana, what would your personalized chat bot be uh, at, at work, your personal assistant? If you had a, maybe you do already have a bot, what would he or she look like and uh, what would the avatar look like quickly? You know what? I have no idea, but I hope I don't yell at it like I yell at my GPS. Oh, and what, lang- what, what language is your GPS programmed in? Is there an accent? Because I once put a, a, a voice of a man with a wonderful British accent on my GPS when I used one years ago in the car, and he was just charming. I didn't care where he told me to go. I could go anywhere. <laughs> Frank, Frank what, la- what language is your GPS speaking to you? Well, it's English, and it's, it's a woman, but no, no accents or anything like that. Okay, so I think we're ready to wrap up this party. I can't thank the two of you enough. Rob and Kieran, so smart, so willing to be flexible and share your ideas. Frank, Diana, you're always there for us throughout the year on so many of our Game Changer shows. I can't think of two people better to kick off this new series. And thank you to Pamela Dunn at SAP, Director of Global Strategic Partner Marketing. And by the way, Pam has over 20 years of experience working on partner marketing enablement. Pam, thank you for this new series. Great kickoff. Uh, I'm not sure what you has in mind for the next show which will be in a couple of weeks but i love everybody to go to voiceamerica.com click on the business channel look at the schedule and every time you see a coffee cup in a logo it's not my face it's not a building it's not somebody standing in front of a bank it's a coffee cup and every time you see a coffee cup it will be one of our 14 series we're covering so many topics this year so much business value great conversations and we are so thrilled and privileged to have people like robin kieran and frank diana take time out of their busy schedules to join us and share their thought leadership to both of you happy new year thank you to michael our engineer Michael, you rock. You're my partner in crime here. And Pamela Dunn, again, thanks for joining us at the intro and looking forward to working with you this year. So I'm just going to go to our usual. By the way, we have a quick shout-out to Odav Gupta at SAP, who was unable to join us, and he did send us some interesting conversation points we wove into the conversation here. Hope you can join us again. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham, thrilled to be here. We'll be back tomorrow. It will be the blah, 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 18th of January. Be back at 11 a.m. Eastern on the Business Channel with Part 5, the final wrap-up of our Predictions 2017 five-part special. In all, I think we will have had predictions by the end of a show tomorrow from 80 thought leaders in a five-week special. Woohoo! who can do that? So fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.